0: The following podcast will contain spoilers and explicit language.
1: Welcome back to The Other Wrestling Show. My name is Joel, and I'm here as always with Mike. Mike, say hello to the people.
0: Hello, people.
1: You know, it just felt right. I don't know. (laughs) I I, I realized I threw you off because I didn't follow my normal cadence there, but I think it'll be fine. Yeah,
0: I usually don't talk until after the drop. What are you putting on the spot for? I don't know what to do.
1: The people want to hear your voice, you know? Stock up, stock
0: down. Well, stock up to my voice, apparently, since the people want to hear it. But Joel, let's just start the show here. And I'm very sad because I wanted Dax Harwood to win the entirety of the Owen and he goes out in the first round like a chump. I'm very sad.
1: Did he go out like a chump? I think he He went out in an incredibly emotional and meaningful (laughs) performance that elevated the entire tournament. Like, we're talking about something where there's not really anything on the line here right this is this is bragging rights this is a trophy that maybe they're going to carry around for a couple of weeks there's no title shot currently associated with the winners of these tournaments so in terms of the kayfabe rewards there's nothing on the line in this tournament so what do we need to make it count what do we need to make it matter we need emotional stakes And making this about Brett versus Sean, which is like one of the oldest arguments Mm -hmm. in professional wrestling, (laughs) I think was a great way to get people invested and divided on this tournament. Because, you know, you've got all of the people in the Brett camp rooting for Dax Harwood and all the people in the Sean camp rooting for Adam Cole. And with Adam Cole winning, he's an even bigger heel after that (laughs) emotional performance and Dax, uh, in his own words, going to failure. Uh, and I, I just I thought it was tremendous. I love this match. It was my match of the night and stellar stellar performance by these two guys.
0: Yeah, I I don't remember at what point during the match Cole started tuning up the band and I feel really dumb because I figure I feel as I should have realized what the story was before that, that it was like Shawn Michaels versus Brett in terms of styles and everything. Mm-hmm. But once he started doing like tuning up the band, <clears throat> I was like, ah, ha, ha, ha. Okay this is good but yeah i you know i mentioned that i really wanted hardwood to win so it's it's fine we got a great match i just I, I really had my heart into it and i would have put money on it if there was a chance to but um yeah so the, the, i'm
1: gonna i'm gonna make a bold claim here and i'm gonna go ahead and predict that this is the single most important match of the tournament i don't think anything else that happens from here on out is going to be as big of a deal unless we get some kind of wild debut against Samoa Joe that like changes the landscape. Um, If it's a returning Miro or Kip Sabian and they are treated like a huge freaking deal immediately, um, you know, that, that could potentially be a bigger deal, but like, I care about this tournament in a way that I didn't prior to that match and I think it's the match that we're probably all going to be talking about after the tournament is over because of the broader implications and the commentary about wrestling style and what matters and what's the best. And they just told such a great story. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that we're going to see that through the rest of this tournament.
0: Well, if night one of the tournament is in the in, 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 eh, any indicator... There were really, you know, deep stories in all three of these matches that we can go into. You know, they set the stage. You know, they had the Jamie Hayter, Tony Storm thing for like basically the last month building up to this match. They teased their their past, kind of built up this little feud with Britt Baker involved as well. And then you had the whole <clears throat> Darby Allen Jeff Hardy thing where Darby was or is the Jeff Hardy of AEW. And, you know, the anything you can do, I can do crazier. Uh, story they told in the main event was wild. So, um, you know, first first week, I think so far so good in terms of the tournament matches and, and how they're building them and how they're structuring them. And the next week, they've been touting it as Wild Card Wednesday. You know, we have both of the Joker matches next week. So that gives it another kind of, ooh, who's this person, you know? The story may not have to be as deep if the debut or return is exciting.
1: How um, do we feel about that? How do we feel about putting both of these mysteries on the same night because i mean i know where where i sit i prefer to have these things spread out i feel like anytime especially if you're potentially debuting new talent or if you're reintroducing somebody like one of those returns or one of those debuts is going to be a bigger deal than the other one and if they're on the same night i feel like you're putting those things in direct contrast with one another whereas if you spread them out like you have this chance to okay let's have a big moment on wednesday and let's have a big moment on friday or let's have a big moment on wednesday and a big moment next wednesday and allow us to keep that excitement for longer and also don't immediately put those two things in opposition to one another especially when the vast majority of the time the male talent is treated as being more important so
0: I I i think there's two things two things here If you wanted that, you got to start the tournament before May 11th, like the actual. Oh, that's fair. Because we have three and a half weeks until uh, double or nothing. And I know sometimes I like to end the tournament with an episode to spare. So the finalists kind of have a chance to breathe and make their match even bigger than just the tournament finals. So I think that's a big issue, because like if you notice the winner of Jeff Hardy, uh, Derby Allen and Adam Colt versus Dax Harwood is facing each other next week. It's like the second round is already kicking off next week. They're kind of doing NBA style, where the second round can start while the first round is still going on. Um and then the second thing is why, well, why don't just have one deba- debut on Rampage and one debut on uh Dynamite? It's Rampage is taped. You're gonna yeah. kill the debut, anyways, if you have them debut on Rampage. Unless they were there was a live rampage on the schedule. I could see that, you know, where it's not ruining the surprise, but you just can't do that. Like if you want to make someone's debut feel even less, like, especially on Rampage, because they're in funky hours right now because of the NBA playoffs. That's true. You know, like Rampage, I think, is airing at 5 30 today. Like, A, your viewership isn't gonna be as good. A, it's gonna be one of you know, they're always less viewers when they're moved around like this. So yeah, I get what you're saying. Like, it would be nice if they're spread out because we do want these to be impactful. Now, like, for example, a returning Miro Kip Sabian, like, yeah, that's a return that someone being, we've been expecting to come back versus a debut. I don't think, I think if they're both new people, that might do what you're talking about. of kind of, oh, hey, yeah, you know, Athena showed up, cool, but holy shit, you know, it's it's Cesaro, like, okay, two debuts. So I think one's going to be an injury return, and one's going to be a debut where you can kind of treat them differently as, Hey, it's the conquering hero. He's back. Or muro has been out of action since November and he's back on a mission. blah, 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 blah. And like, so I, I, I I'm going to trust them for now. Cause I, the first night of the O and I thought it was a big success and I thought the qualifiers were a big success. So, um, yeah, we'll just, we'll just have to wait and see, but, um, yeah, I, I'd rather them be on the same night than what, you know, one on rampage, one on dynamite.
1: Yeah, okay, that logic makes sense to me. So now I'm going to say the best of all possible worlds is that we bookend the show with these matches. Yes, and beginning,
0: end. Yeah,
1: so let's separate them as much as we possibly can on the same show. And then mm-hmm. also within that scenario, to your point, if one of them is a returning star and one of them is a, is a true debut first time in the company, I mm-hmm. think that works. Um, yeah. I think one that thing debut, would... though, would have to be on the women's side because. Yeah. I can't think of like an injured talent in the women's division that we're waiting to see come back.
0: Yeah, uh, exactly. So one thing I think too, is like, say you make uh Britt Baker's Joker match, the main event. Remember when they had uh CM Punk who was looking for a tag team partner and he kept tweeting throughout the night, Hey, mm-hmm. you know, what do you have going on? Like, Hey, what do you have going on? Like, that was like the first hour of the show was like, who's, CM Punk's partner gonna be you could have Brett Baker backstage trying to find out who the Joker is before the match like make that a story throughout the night or have like Hater or um, Rebel walking around doing little segments make it a story make it a big deal so when Baker's in the ring and the music finally hits of whoever it is feels even bigger like I feel like they could do something like that
1: yeah, I completely agree with that. And actually, I think that brings up a broader point, which is something I really like on a wrestling show in general is when there is one main story mm-hmm. of the episode and we get like little check-ins on that story throughout the show and everything else is kind of, you know, breaking up that one big long thing. Um I one of my favorite episodes of uh Raw since I started watching again in like 2015 or whatever, uh, was when Seth Rollins was feuding with sting and, uh, he was trying to find the, he got the, the statue, uh, that he was supposed to get from Stephanie and triple H and then sting of course ended up destroying the statue. But there there were those little segments throughout where eventually it culminated with him, like getting the head of the statue delivered to him in a box, very uh seven mm-hmm. yep. and uh, then, you know the the body ended up getting crushed in a trash compactor and all those little bits of that storyline i thought were really really fun and it made for an enjoyable episode even though it was freaking three hours long uh, mm-hmm. because you had these little touch points throughout and i think that would be a good way to do this yeah yeah for
0: sure so joel let's move on i I don't know if we established what our second topic was. Be would be. Well, I know
1: what I want to talk about. All right. And, jump in. Uh, I, I want to talk about Dan Housen and the, the <laughs> masterpiece that was his debut. Uh, because like, they did so many things to misdirect and make you believe that Tony Nese, who's kind of been jobbed out like a chump since showing up in AEW, was going to get jobbed out again. Uh, And presumably in humiliating fashion, because the way that they've set up Danhausen is kind of this bumbling moron character who has these occult powers that don't work. And we haven't gotten to see (laughs) like anything really significant from him yet. And so they did the jobber entrance where Tony Nese is already in the ring. He doesn't get music. uh, And then. Denhausen just gets squashed <laughs> like absolutely obliterated like seven second long match kind of thing mm-hmm. and it was uh it was Seamus and Daniel Bryan from Wrestlemania uh. Like, uh. <laughs> it, and uh, I just I love the way that they set that up and I really enjoyed all of the stuff that happened after the match of course culminating with Hook coming out shaking Denhausen's hand and throwing our understanding of the AEW galaxy into turmoil. <laughs> uh what is going on here and I'm so excited to see where this goes moving forward.
0: It's funny about I think it was like a month 6 weeks ago Tony Khan was on I think it was on busted open and he was asked about Hook and he's like man I'm really excited for what we have planned for Hook and Danhausen going forward it's just going to be a really incredible story and I kind of was like what the what And it slowly has started to make sense. And Hook is doing this without saying a fucking word either. (laughs) Like, like, does is Hook just like entertained by Dan Housen? Like, does he just find this funny? So he's like, "I, I might as well help him out. Is it something more than that? Like, even like later on in the show, they asked Taz about it on commentary Who's out there for the Jungle Boy Ricky Starks match? I mm-hmm. was like, I don't know what's going on.
1: <laughs>
0: like, I really want to say, like, Hook doesn't talk to me either. <laughs> like, so it's, I got to
1: surprise, and we, we both love Taz and are on the record as like being big fans of him and mm-hmm. the work that he's done in AEW. I, I got to hand it to him the way that he enhances. Hook's character through commentary is mm-hmm. just like a plus sensational. I really, really love it, and I- I'm really looking forward to you know where this is going to go. And I-, I want like one of the things that Danhausen has done in different pairings that he's had is that you know he'll go to choke slam somebody, a la hurricane or whatever right because he's got his occult powers but of course he can't lift them and unbeknownst to him his bigger stronger tag team partner <laughs> will actually choke slam them and then he celebrates like he's the one who did it mm-hmm. uh and it it slays me every time i just i love it and I'm so excited
0: you, you know what got me in this during his entrance where he, where he was like he's supposedly wait he is supposedly six foot seven and weighs over 300 pounds that just that got me that was so funny yeah. his music was dope his his titantron video was awesome like they just really have like something good going here with him and it's,
1: it's his fun. music like obviously it's a different flavor but what i immediately thought of was the old vaude music from when mm. they were in nxt not oh, the a... bullshit they had when they got called up but their yeah. old NXT intro with the black and white and the spotlight and the old tiny announcer, like that tag team in NXT was so great. And um, this has a similar vibe to me. Like it's classic, it's old school, it's like be horror adjacent. Mm -hmm. And I just really, really love it.
0: And then you have Hook coming out to an Action Brunson rap. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think I've told you before. Like my favorite thing in wrestling is like the tag team that just the weird fit tag team. Like mm-hmm. maybe they don't necessarily like each other, or they're just com- completely different styles or characters. And this is going to test it because this is the extreme. This is you it know lends pure to comedy such simple
1: and easily understood storytelling and. Yeah? I am on the record, and you can go back and listen to previous episodes, (laughs) that AEW is at its best when it is giving us like 12 different flavors of wrestling Mm -hmm. in the same show. And I think something like Hook and Danhausen can give you five of those flavors in a single segment. So uh,
0: look at this tag team match booked for the buy-in (laughs) you're going to have like 12 different styles because you have Dan Housen, hook Tony Nese and then Mark Sterling. (laughs) So We're going to get like scared manager getting his comeuppance and then we're going to get power and then we're going to get comedy. It's going to be great.
1: Well, and, and Mark Sterling, not that I'm saying he's on this level, but he is pulling right out of the Bobby Heenan playbook which mm-hmm. is manage like a wrestler and wrestle like a manager, right? Like that's, that was Bobby Heenan's ethos when he was with Flair or whoever else. And the bombast and bravado that he has when he's cutting promos, as opposed to his physicality when he's taking bumps or like when he jumps on somebody's back and, and tries to hold them back and stuff, like it really, really works. And mm-hmm. it's remarkable how integral he has become to AEW when it was like, oh, oh this is MJF's asshole lawyer. Well, it's yeah. like, well, now he's MJF's asshole lawyer, and he's Jade Cargill's representation, and he's managing Tony Nice in this storyline. With he's on like you two know, or
0: three segments every Dynamite. Like he's all over the place. <laughs> yeah,
1: hard. and it and I'm happy to see him every time. Take notes, Dan Lambert. <laughs> <laughs> be yeah, I mean, more he, like mark sterling you fuck he,
0: he's the best manager in AEW, like bar none yeah. like and, make,
1: yeah it's him not or close. taz i guess
0: if we're counting taz as a manager um real quick I, actually you know what i'm going to our next topic uh i really wanted to talk about jungle boy ricky starks a this match was incredible they're just incredible workers but i think i have to retire the team taz never wins slogan. They've been winning a lot lately.
1: <laughs> like, yeah, it's finally come around.
0: Our lovable losers are now the the kick ass champions. I guess I don't know. I'm really. Turns
1: out they just needed to get that bum Brian Cage out of there. I
0: guess, which is such a <laughs> which is such a weird statement because Brian Cage is awesome. <laughs> yeah,
1: we're, again, we're both huge fans of Brian Cage. Yeah. Just if, if Brian know. Cage
0: ever comes back to television, I hope they make that a point. We've won since we kicked your ass
1: out. (laughs) Well, it looks like he's going to be a big part of Ring of Honor, which I think is a great fit for him. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm I'm still like looking to hear more about like what's going to be happening with that. And uh, I know there's a logo that everybody's up in arms about because it looks like crap.
0: (laughs) It's okay. First off, trademark logos don't actually look like they don't have to look like the logo that like the original AW logo look like crap too. Like the ones they originally trademarked with the government. So I'm not worried about it. They're going to get it to work fine. It's going to look cool. I'm not worried. Like I honestly, I'm kind of putting ring of honor on the back burner. Cause I just don't see how they can get something up and running consistently for at least another like two or three months. Cause they basically have to rebuild this brand, rebuild the roster, rebuild mm-hmm. the whole, whole structure has to be re- built from the ground up. So, um, yeah, I'm not worried about the damn logo, but, um, <laughs> I think uh, Starks tw- tweeted after the match, like, something about the pillars. Um, yeah. Uh-huh. Ricky Starks might be a pillar now. Like, <laughs> I think he's, he's. you've been on Ricky Starks' train since day one, but I think we're really starting to see him at, like, his, his highest power level if we're going with, like, the nerd reference. Like, everything he is doing, promo and ring work, it's just working right now, you know? Like, this match was great. It looks like where they're setting up some sort of triple threat tag match, which would be something with uh, Swerve, uh, Keith Lee, uh, Jurassic Express, and then Team Taz. Which put that on, put oh, let that open up, double or nothing, and just let it cook for twenty minutes because that's going to yeah. be wild. So um, just just props to, to to Starks. Obviously, Jungle Boy, we we always love him. Um, and also, they're teasing this Christian heel turn, baby. I want it. I need it. I need it so bad.
1: <laughs> yeah. I think with Starks, like we're seeing that he is fully recovered from his neck injury.
0: Yes. And
1: he has the confidence to be himself in the ring and do the things that he's capable of. And that in turn gives TK the confidence to book him in these spots and give him the time to show the star power that he has. Uh, his charisma is just on another level and mm. yeah you know, the very first time i saw him in nwa i was like wow who is this guy <laughs> like he is incredible where can i see more of his stuff and it's it's palpable you can just tell that what he brings to the table
0: yeah and we've, we've always talked about for like darby allen moves the ring so differently and uniquely i think starks is kind of in that category not so much probably like runs the ropes but like The way he does certain moves, the way he like counters or like even just throwing punches or strikes like his spear, like he doesn't need a running start to make that look impactful as fuck. Mm -hmm. Like the one he hit on Jungle Boy yesterday, he literally kind of just was kind of in like a borderline three point stance like football and just exploded into him. And like he just does things so differently than a lot of wrestlers you see. Yeah. Um, and I, if this is where we we push him up, you know this this year twenty two year Stark, um, there's no reason he can't be TNT champion at some point. There's no reason, like you know, how last year they had like Pack and Orange Cassidy in like the main event of a pay per view. Like I could see him like being getting a match with Hangman Page for the title on like a Dynamite or like one of the Battle of the Belts or something like that, and that show being built around. Hey, Ricky Starks is in the main event. So,
1: well, we've talked a little bit about like who should take the belts off of Jurassic Express. And Mm -hmm. I think Team Taz right now would be a great option. Um, You know, we've got Proud and Powerful tied up with Jericho Appreciation Society stuff. So they're kind of out of the picture. There aren't a whole lot of other tag teams getting pushed on the heel side. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if, if you if you go forward with like Christian turning heel, that doesn't make sense for
0: the Jurassic express to
1: drop to Lee and Swerve who are obviously working more in the face category. Mm -hmm. But if jungle boy turns heel,
0: yeah, that would be something cut the hair.
1: (laughs) Go Hollywood. I would would love to see jungle boy turn heel on Christian and Luchasaurus and, you know, go and do his own thing from a singles perspective. And that kind of opens up like, who could potentially win. So that's one of the reasons why I like this triple threat tag match paradigm so much is because it affords us the opportunity to spin off in either direction. Cause I could see like them losing the belts being the impetus for jungle boy to lose his shit.
0: My only issue with Jungle boy as a heel is I just don't think he has the, the, the mic chops. You need to be good on the mic to be a heel pretty much like you can't be average uh-huh. below average. So that's why I always thought the Christian side of it made sense because a Christian can do whatever he wants. He's that damn good. Um, so, yeah, but it would be bold to go the Jungle Boy route and they have it, man. They his dad was a Hollywood actor. You just go Hollywood mm-hmm. Jungle Boy, cut mm-hmm. the hair, tur- do the whole Christian peep show after he won the Intercontinental Championship. Like do that whole storyline. It will work. Like I said, yeah. this needs to be a bit on the mic. All right, Joe, you want to move on to lightning rounds? Let's do it. Fuck, I deleted it. I deleted the fucking drop. I hate this app. Give me one second. I'm (laughs) re-uploading it. Lightning round. Joel, over under, what year does Darby Allen die? Is it before 2024 or after 2024?
1: Ah, I refuse to answer because I don't like the question. (laughs) Uh, But I will answer in this way. I was legitimately concerned for his health and well-being, when he did that dive off the ladder that was in the ring mm-hmm. to the outside through a bunch of chairs with only old man Jeff yeah, out there to catch him. trying to catch him
0: <laughs> what's crazy is like when you when you go to live events you've realized oh you know what the ladders aren't that tall the ring isn't that big but that was the tallest fucking ladder I've ever seen and then like that I was saw a jumbo th-
1: ladder for sure yeah
0: I saw a TikTok from the ground level, like right behind Matt. Mm-hmm. That was legitimately the tallest ladder spot I think I've ever seen. Like, like not even with the camera angles making it look like less. It was, gig- it was such a jump.
1: Well, and usually we see one of two things, right? When we see someone falling from that height, they're either going through some kind of structure that has been built to cushion uh-huh. their fall, a la Shane band falling off of everything, yeah, uh, or there is a cluster of people there to catch. Uh huh. Yep. This was one guy and a bunch of folding chairs. And not to mention this dude is in his
0: forties. And like, I'm going to give props to Jeff because I have not really been a fan of his AW run so far. It just seemed like he had lost the Hardys in general. They just don't look like the team that we remember them from their last WWE run. But like, prop, if there's one thing Jeff knows how to do, it's to, fucking almost kill himself every time and yeah catching Darby and like making that as safe as it possibly can be because I don't know if you can call that spot safe but like he slowed down Darby enough that like he didn't land on like an edge of the chair or like the back of the chair like he seemed to catch him they rolled right onto the chairs as planned so um yeah scary spot and also that match that spot was like mid-match yeah (laughs) that was it was so like it wasn't even close to the finish.
1: Uh, This was easily Jeff's best match since coming back. And I I think we're going to see these matches from time to time where he really digs in and Mm -hmm. sells out for, you know, all the spots and moves a little bit, maybe a half step faster. Um, And then he's going to be on cruise control for a lot of the time. And that's okay. Because like, he's 40 40 something. (laughs) This is kind of a fan service run, you know, it's, We know that Matt and Jeff don't have all that long left to to continue doing mm-hmm. this. It's not like they took 20 years off like Sting did. Uh, and frankly, they work a very different style, a style that ends your career earlier. Like, yeah. it's remarkable that Jeff has been doing this for nearly 30 years. So, you know, and he's
0: always been the like Matt's taken some bumps, some crazy bumps. But it was it was always Jeff doing the insane ones. Like, I'll never forget the. Jeff hanging off the belts and edge spearing him off the ladder. Yeah. Like, that was wild. And him going straight down into the mat with the force of an edge. I mean, <laughs> we himself. did have that
1: like super violent edge, Matt Hardy feud.
0: Yeah. When Matt like, had, had some like,
1: really nasty spots. Yeah. I mean, Matt's done his fair share as well, but, mm-hmm. but yeah, oh, I mean, also... Jeff has been known as the daredevil. And, and I think that's one of the reasons why he like, so many fans like Jeff better. I think Matt is actually the better wrestler, um, mm-hmm. from a technical perspective. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, you can't take away the, the willingness from Jeff to like, just do crazy shit and damn the mm-hmm. consequences.
0: Yeah. I think Matt's the better wrestler. I think Matt's the better, like creative, like look at all the different Matt, like characters he had throughout his career. Jeff's kind of just been Jeff. And then he had, was brother Nero. For a bit in M- um, TNA,
1: and, and the thing is, like every iteration of Jeff has the same voice. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, it's, just, it's Jeff Hardy. <laughs> Matt Hardy speaks differently, right? Yeah. He changes the the tone and timbre of his voice, whereas Jeff, it's like, yeah, man, I'm Brother Nero. I sound exactly the same.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think I texted you nothing like. Matt being in AEW for two years, Jeff showing up and immediately putting Matt on the back burner.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sad but true.
0: Yeah. um, But yeah, I, I, this match was really fun. I was surprised Jeff got the win. I'm surprised he got the win and kind of used the ladder in a pinning situation to kind of make no way for Darby Allen to get out of it. So um, I saw something like Matt and Jeff worked with Owen back in the day. So it's like, well, we have to have someone who actually worked with him in the tournament. You know, oh, um, okay. yeah. so because like they when they first got started in like the mid '90s, they like worked with uh, Owen on like an indie show or something. So, which is kind of interesting. What do you got for me, in lightning round? That was a long yeah. lightning round. I was gonna say, to it's not faster.
1: not really, uh, not really lightning round. Um, so, I I enjoyed the Wardlow MJF stuff, uh, even though it's kind of a retread of some old ground. Um, I think the <laughs> yeah, fact <you> that, think? <laughs> I, I feel like because it was Wardlow on the other side, and it's like you previously administered this treatment to Cody Rhodes, and now you're getting the Cody Rhodes treatment here. I, I find that kind of meta-narrative interesting and compelling. Um and I also just really enjoyed Wardlow and his facial acting and body language mm-hmm. in these segments. He's He's so much fun right now. And I I think we kind of have to enjoy this while it lasts because I do have this kind of fear in the back of my mind that he's going to get significantly less interesting once he's no longer attached to MJF.
0: Um, It's it's to be seen, you know, like MJF is carrying this story mm -hmm. from the promo standpoint. You know, like you like remember we talked about you can only have uh, Wardlow beating up security guards so many times, like, like that will get boring and he's going to need something else. Like he seems ripe to get a manager when he wins. Um, you know, like someone do be his mouthpiece. Cause I just don't know if he can, can pull that yet. So yeah, like you said, let's enjoy it. Um, yeah, it's very funny that this is the exact, basically the exact Cody scenario. Um, he referenced Cody as well. um, I really wish, though, that instead of like Wardlow just getting uncuffed to sign the sheet, I really wanted to just take those cuffs and just rip them, just rip them apart. Um, I thought that would just been like, you know, cool show of strength, but whatever, it was fine. <laughs> um, something I want to talk about was CM Punk John Silver. Uh, what I liked about this is Punk really sold kind of he kind of looks surprised at how fast and impactful all of Johnny Hunky's moves were. Um, like you could tell early on, that's like, okay, he like needed to catch his breath. Cause this guy is like a badger, just <laughs> like attacking you. Um, so I, I thought that was a really good job of putting silver over despite, you know, punk winning the match. And then, yeah, we had, we had punk attempt the buckshot lariat. Um, I know he's as old as Bobby fish, but at least he, at least he got the rotation done, but it definitely, out of a scale of one to five Hangman pages, it was like a two.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I really enjoyed this match. And I, I thought CM Punk was also surprised that he was regarded as a heel. Like, he <laughs> came out in, there. <laughs> in the hometown jersey and like, you know, it was like, yeah, I'm the babyface. What? Why is everybody booing me? And it's like, yes, that is the power that MJF has uh-huh. in Long Island. Like, it is ridiculous ridiculous and i think it's kind of fun that we have now multiple bizarro world situations within the aew fandom where it's like brit gets cheered in pittsburgh mjf gets cheered in long island i mean it's this is fun and i'm, I'm looking forward to kind of more of these instances and when you have a super passionate fan base you can get stuff like this everybody playing their part everybody doing what they're supposed to be doing within the larger narrative. And uh, that was my favorite part of this.
0: Yeah. One reason that punk got booed is he was wearing a John Tavares Jersey who left the Islanders a few years ago to go. See, I don't pay attention So yeah, I I think that that. because he was getting kind of a moderate uh, response and then he turned around and showed the Jersey and that's when the booze started. And then, yeah, but yeah, I guess, I guess, uh, long Island is going to be punks, uh, Montreal, for Shawn Michaels for the rest of his career. Like he's just going to get booed there no matter what, which is interesting.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, he had that feud with MJF and, and things got yeah. ugly. Well, so. then he
0: also was facing John silver. Who's from long Island as yep. well, mm-hmm. you know? So yeah, what it was a long
1: ver- Island representation on the AEW roster. Yeah, I know, right. Cause uh, but- Tony Nese is also from long Island, mm-hmm. isn't he?
0: Yep. Oh, can I mention something we forgot to talk about when we mentioned Wardlow MGF. Yeah. I thought the dark side of the ring video was like a promo oh for gosh. the actual show. That was amazing.
1: So good. So good. Like I, I absolutely the, love Chris Jericho being like, wait a minute.
0: Wait, wait, wait. I'm not I hate doing that guy. for this prick.
1: <laughs> wait, how much is he paying? Okay, fine.
0: <laughs> From Long Island. Yeah, it was so good. It was so good. And like, because once again, I thought it was a legit commercial mm-hmm. until, me <laughs> until too. Jericho started doing that stuff. That's how you use Jericho, if you want me to laugh. Use him in stuff like this, because that was yep. like genuinely funny. Um, if, if you don't like if you don't remember that promo or if you walked away because you thought it was commercial, go back and watch it because it was really good.
1: Yeah, that it was, was really fun. Good. That was fun. Um, so it's, it's time for me to fulfill my contractual obligation oh, here, here to uh, talk about Hangman Page, who just continues to embrace being this kind of it's not full on heel, but kind of badass uh, tweener kind of situation mm-hmm. and uh we got this this little showdown between him and punk which i really enjoyed and uh i'm starting to get really really excited for this match and i'm worried man this is the first time
0: uh, <laughs> that i've like
1: truly been worried for adam page in his title run all the previous matches that he's had i was pretty confident mm-hmm. he was gonna win felt too soon for him to drop the belt i'm a little scared and i don't want him or, to lose or- the title we're
0: at like six months now, you know, when you you like he's at a decently long title run. Mm-hmm. Um, and I always I think I, I've always said MJF's gonna take the belt off of him. Like that was my plan. But I think it would be more meaningful for MJF to win that belt off of CM Punk in a few months with the story they had, how they're kinda tied, and MJF said, Hey, we'll come back to this at some point. I'm not done with you. Um like, you could have Punk win the belt, defend it throughout the summer, and then drop it to MJF at All Out one year in, in Chicago. Like, like talk about setting MJF to be a huge star. Yeah. He already is a huge star, but even an even bigger star by beating Punk for his first championship in AEW. Like, he hasn't won any championships in AEW, despite being with the company since day one. Yeah. Like that would be huge. And that's the only reason I'm kind of with you now. Cause I, I kind of thought that hangman page would get, you know, maybe not the, these Kenny Omega almost mm-hmm. year long title reign, but I thought it would be a significant one. And also mm-hmm. I, when I'm just, and I'm trying not to let the forbidden door mess with my head, but I think CM punk versus like Okada as champion, champion versus champion is the biggest match you can make. If Kenny Omega is not healthy, like, and i think that they would want to do that for this type of big show. so um yeah, i'm nervous, dude. i'm with you. like this might this might be the end, but
1: yeah. so do you have anything else from the show cuz i have a couple outside of the ring things. um uh, that one we last chat about. thing.
0: we didn't really talk about hater and um and uh tony storm that much. That's
1: true. kind of glossed over that.
0: These two <laughs> the way they just everything in this match was it's one of my favorite women's matches we've seen in the last few months. They both just move the ropes extremely well They're Every strike had enormous like impact behind it. And they have such good chemistry that like, I was really bummed when the match ended. <laughs> like, like yeah. I feel like they could have gone like another five, 10 minutes. Um, like, I hope this isn't the ends. Like, I hope they could bring it back at some point. Um, but yeah, that they were. this was just an incredibly fun uh, match from both of them.
1: Yeah, these are two talents that I'm extremely high on, and I'm glad that they got an opportunity to showcase here. Uh, And I also don't think that we're done. I think we, especially after the great match that they had, I think we see these two square off again sooner rather than later.
0: Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah, so what do you want to talk about, Joel?
1: So I'm going to take it back to MJF for a moment, and I wanted Uh to ask you, do you buy any of this rumor circulating that he's upset about his contract and like all the hints that he keeps dropping, that he's going to go to WWE when his contract expires.
0: I genuinely think that he will go to whoever gives him the most money. Like, I genuinely think that because I want that for every athlete, go where you get paid the most, you know, like, yeah, it sucked when Cody left, but like he's getting the bag and he's getting pushed. Um, I don't think like, I think if anyone is gonna work us mm-hmm. like this, it's MJF, and but
1: yeah. So that's the that's the one of two things that that I feel about this is a like this is absolutely the kind of old school work the fans sort of angle that MJF is all about, and then secondly, I can't imagine that Tony Khan, as much as MJF gets used, like he's one of the most high usage rate members of the roster. I can't imagine you're not going to throw a boatload of money at him. And then if he was signed to like a smaller contract, because he was a lesser known talent at mm-hmm. the outset that you wouldn't like give him the opportunity to renegotiate.
0: You want to make him full now, plus give him the bag into exactly.
1: Years. It's well, like signing an extension before your rookie contract is up. Like instead of picking up the option for a couple of extra years at the rookie salary, like when you really want to lock somebody up, you throw the bag at them before you have to. Yeah. And, and
0: I, f- I feel if AEW was really worried about this, they wouldn't let him reference it all the time in his promos. He mentions it like every other week that 2024 will be here before you know it. Yeah. You know what is also up in 2024, Joel? The AEW TV contract, which means they will be getting a new contract. Mm-hmm. And we all know how TV contracts work. If you're successful in the first one, your next one is twice as big, yeah. three times as big.
1: There's a lot of turmoil at Warner Warner. media with like executives being out and (laughs) new management now that they're under the discovery umbrella and like, how is that going to work? So so there's a lot of question marks right now, but it's not a bad thing.
0: No, the reason that TNT was so open to wrestling in the first place is that live TV Mm -hmm. is one of the truly like one of the only like ratings bonanzas and tv anymore yeah. like all of your shows can be watched on hulu or hbo max or streaming or somewhere. even
1: dvr so you can skip or dvr skip you know, through like... the
0: commercials there is an inherent fear of missing out with live events uh-huh. which is why every major sports uh content creator, not even just in the united states in the world like the premier league has massive deals in the united states now um to have a show every week that can get you a million people on Wednesday and like seven hundred thousand people on Friday, that's easy money for these for these television mm-hmm. companies. So honestly, I'm really not worried because if T if Warner doesn't want AEW, they will find a network provider that will. Yeah. Like they will find someone. Like CBS has been wanting to get into wrestling with their women of wrestling uh promotion that, you know tessa blanchard was going to be part of who's not anymore uh like there's there's a, a market for it there's a need for this live content um so yeah i'm not really worried about it honestly yeah. um yeah. at least not for now because it's so far away things can change so much in the next few years wrestling wise or just media wise like how do we know the people and also like you know how they had like their big like event like every summer right before the fall TV season premieres. It's like, Hey, these are all the shows that we're highlighting this year. Like Mm -hmm. AEW is one of like the biggest shows that they're like, they're putting AEW in like a prime position Mm -hmm. at these uh, media events. So they're behind them for now. And honestly, I think Tony is smart enough and, and has enough money to, to be able to handle the storm of a shaky TV, you know, situation if it gets to that.
1: Well, the other thing is like TNT and TBS have said that one of the biggest changes that's going to happen with this acquisition is that they're not going to be making any scripted content moving forward. And by scripted content, they mean like traditional linear television. Yeah. Like, uh, they specifically cited that like this season of animal kingdom, which is the final season of animal kingdom mm-hmm. is the last. Like traditional TV show mm-hmm. they're going to produce. It's going to be all like, movies reruns and live content moving yeah. well, forward Well, if you
0: look at you look at uh tnt tbs over the last two years they've like nba nhl nbl nhl baseball wrestling now they have every major american sport other than football they tried and mma I,
1: which nobody cares about
0: no one cared about but i know that the reason the fight night like this battle of the belts they're called saturday night fight night is to eventually expand that to other combat sports. I know they want to try and get mm. boxing on the network. Um, MMA again, but you know, who knows? But so, yeah, it, it's one of those things that I think people who want to worry about something worry about yep. like the MJF contract. Cause honestly, dude, it's good for wrestlers to be able to go back and forth to companies. Like we've talked about this before. The biggest raises I've ever gotten in my career is when I've been, when I've left a company.
1: Yeah. That's how you it is.
0: Yeah. So like, MJF, go get your bag. Either way, you're going to get it here at AEW or with WWE. And guess what? Someone in WWE is going to get bummed at some point mm-hmm. and they're going to come over to AEW and get the bag here. You know, like as long as they can keep the stories compelling and churn I, I got a question for you. I know we're almost at time. I asked my buddy uh, this If MJF did leave, is he one of those wrestlers that it would make you worry about the future of AEW if they left? No. No,
1: nothing. Same. Nothing makes me worry. Like, I'm not concerned at all because at the end of the day, what I care about with AEW is not any of the individual talents. That's not what, like, drives me to watch. It's It's the the environment. Yeah. It's the creative direction. It's the the fact that I don't feel like my intelligence is being insulted on a (laughs) A weekly basis. Week after week. And... I can watch it without hurting my eyeballs. The cuts are awful. Occasionally, occasionally I'll just be like waiting for something else to be on and I'll flip to either raw or SmackDown or or NXT and I can't watch it. I legitimately (laughs) cannot watch it. It hurts my eyes the way that they do those smash cuts and the, mm-hmm. the zooming in and out with the camera whenever there's a big impactful spot. And it's like, I don't understand how anybody watches yeah. it because it's like watching a fucking Christopher Nolan movie. You can't see anything that's going on mm-hmm. in the action sequences.
0: Yeah, it's it's jarring, especially when you've been away from it for so long. Yeah,
1: it, it, uh, it's, it's, answer, t- it's a total frog boiling situation mm-hmm. where like... When I was watching it week in week out, you don't notice how bad it's gotten. Mm -hmm. And then you go watch something else for a while and come back to it. It's like, oh my god, this how how did I ever watch this?
0: Yeah, it'd be like if it'd be like if you stopped watching the NFL, came back two years later, and there was like seven cuts on every play. Yeah, like it it would just yeah. Um, to to answer that question for me though, Joel, I think the only person I would be worried is if Kenny like not if Kenny Omega left AEW to like to go back to NJPW. If Kenny Omega left in his prime, which I think he's still in and went over to like WWE. Like that might be the only one because like, we know he, he considers wrestling an art. We know that like maybe in his mid forties, like as a retirement, like get that bag, like AJ Styles did maybe, but like, I don't know. I just, what we know Kenny Omega stands for, like as a wrestler, that would be jarring, but. I wouldn't yeah, necessarily I mean, would be, worry about the it would future. Be jarring. Of AEW, it would be a surprise,
1: but... but I'm still not worried because at the end of the day, you still have this ethos of what a pro wrestling presentation is. And there are going to be fans that stick with that. I think fans mm-hmm. are more loyal to the brand than they are to the individual talents. And we actually, we see evidence of the toxicity of that when the fans like turn on a, like the actual wrestler, performer, yeah. not the character, over like their critique of the company or, or something, which is like the negative, bad aspect of that. Yeah. But the fandom I think is more tied to the company and the philosophy than it is to any individual yeah. talent. So, I mean, I,
0: no. I, I, we talked about when Cody left, I'm like, that's not enough to make me go watch raw every week. I'm going to miss Cody. Cause I think Cody is a great wrestler. Yeah. Great performer, but and I'm happy just- for him.
1: Like you said, go get your money. I have no ill will towards any talent that decides to go anywhere. Like, I'm I have a I'm pretty confident they know what's best for them a whole hell of a lot more than I do. Uh, so <laughs> yeah, if yeah. they're deciding, I'm going to go here and I'm going to do this other thing, good for you. Fucking do it. There are other talents that I want to see get more time, and the mm-hmm. only way that happens is if people leave. So oh. if Cody leaving makes more room for Ricky Starks to go on this run, like, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I want to see that. If it makes more room for Scorpio Sky to have a legitimate title run, yeah, mm-hmm. I want to see that. So it's fine it's really really fine yeah. if talent moved more often it would be better for the landscape of professional wrestling mm-hmm. yep
0: and then uh you know we're, we'll we'll get uh freddie prince jr's uh promotion our third challenger and then we'll get wrestlers unions and all. Dude, be i'm really well.
1: curious about how that's gonna go we don't have time <laughs> to talk about that again I but i you know, know. <laughs> down the line when there's more developments we'll we'll come yep. back to it
0: yeah. All right, guys. Thanks for joining us this week. You can follow us at The Other Wrestling Show at on Facebook and Instagram. OWS underscore pod on Twitter. You really screwed with me with saying that because I could just say The Other Wrestling Show. <laughs> Joel at The Other Joel. Me at Michael underscore Vanda. You can get your podcast wherever you get your podcast. Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, Apple, Pop, Apple, Apple Podcasts. We're there. Um, yeah, Joel. Anything to say before I make myself go to the gym? join the dark order
1: join the dark order remember everybody life's a work duck the clothesline and happy wrestling Bye.